Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey y'all, welcome to Flipping Dreams. I'm Heather Renee May, your host. And today we're gonna do a retrospective because we just passed our 10th episode. And what an amazing, almost two months it's been. And I wanted to take a moment to look back, share some of the highlights of those episodes with you and just have a little chat about where we've been and acknowledge The people that have come on the show so far to share, um, it's super exciting. So let's dive in. Um, We started this Flipping Dreams podcast on June 1st, 2020, and this is during a time of quarantine, COVID-19, Black Lives Matter. Um, There's just been a lot going on this summer, and so uh, this podcast was formed out of the hope that we could focus on positive, sharing positive stories of transformation that would empower folks to realize that it's never too late to transform your past and empower your future. So the first episode was kind of the kickoff where uh, I shared my journey uh, going into tech in my 40s, going from being an, an executive assistant to working now as a software engineer and going through a boot camp and just what that process was like and sharing some tips and pointers along the way. The next week, we met Alyssa Paget, and we got to talk about RV life and what that's like and how she and her husband Heath travel around the country living full-time in their Winnebago RV with their daughter Ellie and what it's like to work and live remotely in an RV um, and just the highlights of how You can wake up every day with a different, beautiful picture outside your window that you don't have to spend the million dollars to have to buy a home when you can have the million dollar view right outside your RV every day. For a lot of people, it's like the logistics of just figuring out the lifestyle. For other people, it's like, how am I going to make money and travel? It's like, well, here's a resource for finding remote jobs or finding companies that will hire remotely. Here's different business ideas. If you're wanting to start your own business, like Keith has his RV entrepreneur podcast with 200 episodes of different people finding incredibly unique ways to make money while they are traveling. You just kind of have to identify what those hurdles are and like set yourself up for being able to, leap over them because I think it's really easy to just be like I'm not going to be able to find a way to make money and travel or I'm not going to be able to afford an RV or whatever it is that is kind of holding you back but being able to identify that and then find those resources and and educate yourself and make it happen once you're on the road it's actually like eye-opening like oh yeah 
I can camp right here with a view of the peaks of like the east and west Spanish peaks. They're like these 13,000 um, foot high mountains and they're gorgeous. And I could, I couldn't have a house with a view like this, but on sure. the road I can, I can travel there and experience it. And my eyes are open and it's like, okay, that's what this lifestyle is about. I, whatever it takes, we're going to make it work. Yeah. It was yeah. really inspiring. Um, the week after that, we met Lillian Glanton. Lillian is such a firecracker, um, and she is just super inspiring. Um, she's created the Muscle Shoals Songrooms, the Muscle Shoals Songwriters Festival. And although the songwriting festival was postponed this year due to the pandemic, uh, Lillian has been busy working and doing virtual sessions, uh, open mics online, um, and she's getting geared up for next year's festival. Uh, so it was really fun to hear her story going from chickens to American Idol to now being an entrepreneur and um, just how she's transforming the music scene here in Muscle Shoals. So you have to think every time somebody says that you can't do something or you have that little voice in your head that's saying you're not going to be able to make this happen, you have to think am I going to let this define who I am and the character that I'm about? Yes. Do yes. you want to have that little voice in your head or that one moment where you screwed up and you fell flat on your face and people made fun of you? Do you want that moment to define the rest of your life? Mm. Because that's what it comes down to. That is and good. I don't think anybody wants that. No, no. And I feel like we need to just have that soundbite of you saying that right there, that people can just play, like just have you in their pocket and just play oh that and they get discouraged. Just be like, oh yeah, Lillian's on my side. She's rooting yes. me on. She's also going to kick my butt if I don't do it. So yes. <laughs> yes, right. I will. I will kick your butt because I'm telling you the fear of failure is far less painful than the fear of you not doing it at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that was really fun. And of course, hopefully everyone who listened to that wanted to like grab their guitar and start writing songs. Um, the next episode after that was, we got to meet Mary Latham and hear her story. Uh, after her mother's passing from cancer, she, uh, in honor of her memory, drove her Subaru across 50 states collecting stories of kindness stories of good, her campaign's more good. And that was really interesting hearing her share just the people that she met and how sometimes it wasn't the big stories. It was the little stories. It was the little acts of kindness that made a huge difference in someone's life. I think that it was interesting to me that I clung on to the small stories the most. And, um, you know, there was, <clears throat> when I was in Nashville, Tennessee, I was staying with a couple. It was right on the anniversary of my mom's passing and they were total strangers um, connected through, you know, another girl in my hometown that had met one of them in college. And so she, she tagged them in the post when I said I was heading to Tennessee and they reached out right away. I got to their home and they had a friend visiting that weekend. And so he was around the majority of my visit. And, um, you know, the first day we had gotten, we'd all gone to dinner and I got to get to know him. And then the next day we were all at their other friends and he was at that also. And by the third morning, we were all sitting and having breakfast and he pulled out his wallet and he said, you know, I've been meaning to tell, I wanted to tell you this little story. And I was like, Oh, what? And he said, 
he, and he pulled out his wallet and he said, you know, eight years ago, I was on a trip with my wife and we had gone to this little town and stayed in an Airbnb. And when we were leaving and packing up the car, my wallet must have somehow fallen out of the car. And I don't know if it was, you know, right on that, like on the street where we were parked or if it was like at the gas station in that town, but somewhere in that town, I lost it. And, you know, I'm so organized. So I keep everything perfectly organized. So I didn't notice. I had thought I'd just put it right in the door like I usually do and didn't notice it fell out till we got home. And by the time we got home, it was late at night and everything. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to have to cancel everything. I'll do it in the morning though. And so the next morning when I woke up, there was a box at the door and someone had FedExed it immediately. Um, and I had already gotten it, you know, the next day. And not only had they done that so that they knew I'd probably cancel things, um, but they must have looked at my license to get my address. And when they looked at my license, they also noticed it had been my birthday that week. <laughs> and so inside my wallet with all the cash and credit cards and everything perfectly intact was a tiny little birthday card, like the size of a business card with a little birthday cake on it. And it just said, you know, I found this wallet on um, whatever, 700, whatever road it was. Um, and, you know, happy birthday. And it was like crumpled up and like brown. The card was like originally purple. It was like browning because he had kept it. And he said, I've kept it in my wallet ever since to remind myself that there's good people out there. Um, so that, that was really humbling and, and beautiful. Um, and hopefully those stories will soon be in a book that she will be donating to hospital waiting rooms across the country, which is just amazing for p other people who are waiting for their loved ones going through treatment. Um, the week after that, we met Betsy Lay at Lady Justice Brewing. And we were in Colorado chatting with Betsy what it's like to be one of the very few female-owned, not only that, Latino and queer-owned breweries in the country and how they're doing something different. They're doing more of a community-based model where they are donating their profits to uh, help organizations that are local that support women and girls. It, yeah. um, you have to be willing to just work hard all of the time for it. Um, things will not be handed to you uh, at all for this. And so that's something to realize up front that you have to have the grit and you just ha you have to have the determination and you have to believe in what you're doing or else you're gonna, um, you'll, you'll fade out pretty quickly. So pay attention to that, you know, and, and Kate will always say, trust your gut. And we sort of learned early on at Lady Justice that Kate's guts, gut feelings to things were actually pretty right on. So we, we would, we would sort of, before making big decisions or, um, before making any sort of uh, shifts or anything that we did, we would take a step back and be like, let's do an internal check and see how we're feeling about this. And if Kate was like, no, 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 we wouldn't do it because she was almost always right. <laughs> um, and so I think that also just shows like trust your community. Um, do not try to do it alone. Even if you're the only brewer or the only funder or whatever, if you're the only business owner, that doesn't mean that you can't have a community of friends or family who can be there for you to help you 
sort of navigate some of these decisions because you you are not going to have the answers to everything um more likely than not you're gonna you're not gonna have the answers to almost any of it because <laughs> um, there's a lot of different expertise that you need to open a business um and brewing has has so many different things that you have to know how to do and so uh so yeah find people that you trust that you can bounce ideas and contracts and um you know PL statements off of you know stuff like that and then and then just um i don't know once when i have a hard time with lady justice like on days where it just feels impossible i always take a step back and i think about like what what does lady justice look like five years from now like if if i if i quit doing lady justice right now what is what does five years look like and and it's really eye-opening to think because i think about like look at where we were five years earlier um we had just done our fundraising campaign we hadn't even opened doors yet and so like and so here we are now so i always try to think about what does five years from now look like um if we can get over this hump or get through this obstacle uh are we going to be better for it or will we be more successful and so if you can envision um, the success that you're going to have in the future, for me, it, it helps me stay the course. Um, not only do I want to purchase new merchandise to help support their cause, but I also want to drink their beer. So hopefully I'll get to Colorado soon to do that. <laughs> um, for the next episode, you got to meet my friend, Sydney Buckner, and hear all about Sydney's journey into tech, being a young black woman coming from working as an assistant to now working as a software engineer without attending college with a CS degree. So Sydney had just, she's just super fun. I love talking to her. And you also got to hear about our mentoring relationship that's now just turned into a friendship where we talk on a regular basis. And we've now, we've know each other for two years and we have never met in person but we talk over zoom and um we just she continues to inspire me with her energy and her passion for what she does and she helps other people who are trying to get into tech and struggling and it's not easy and she's just a really wonderful voice uh a welcoming voice in tech so uh here's a little bit from our discussion and I want people to understand that you can get into this. You, you can do this. You really can. And if you and I can do this, yeah, anyone can do this. Like anybody it's... can. And that that's hilarious that we we've done we've been able to connect. And then I've vetted all these courses, done this and that and the other thing, and. I've been able to intersect my creative pursuits with YouTube. I, I've had this YouTube channel since college, but, you know, finally getting back into it, I was able to start connecting with people more and saying like, it's okay. I'm literally at the same space that you are. Yeah, so I, I want to make people laugh and I want for people to learn something. Like those are the biggest two things. I, I, know that I can be bright and bubbly. I know that I can be fairly monotone. It, it's just kind of the extremes, but 
you can go to my channel and you can see that I have some semi-quality videos that I'm still trying to experiment with where I am just completely crapping on myself about something just insane or talking about my experience with COVID, which has been up and down a roller coaster, loop-de-loop, -loop, whatever you want to call it. And then I start talking about what my experience has been in tech, getting into tech, how I've still been able to get through tech now without having to drink every day, but still with a glass of wine in my hand while I'm talking. Uh, so it's, it's, I want people to feel like that this is an intimate conversation that they can learn something from. Um, the week after that, we went to Portland, Oregon, and we met Michelle Jones at Wayfinding Academy. Michelle went from being a, a professor, being fed up with the way higher education is not meeting the needs of students. She created a two-year accredited college that allows students to really utilize all of their talents and skills, seeing the student in a holistic manner, providing them with two internships, helping them out with the costs, helping them to not be focused on grades at all, but instead to really tap in to what their passions are, and become actively involved in their society. Um, I think where the next thing I would choose to impact would be what, what we talk to students about in high school, because I think it is possible that given the right high school environment, um, or, and, or, and I think you get it a lot in homeschooling environments or unschooling environments, where you get that critical thinking and you get the ability to disseminate information and make sense of things in a holistic way. Um, but I would, I would want, I wish the conversation would start there in high school with young adults to really talk about what do you care about? What are your passions? What do you, what do you think you want to do with your life? What's the best path to get you to there from here? And because right now we send them all the, we tell everybody they should go to college, but that is not the right choice for a lot of people, depending on what they want to do. And I, I think it, in the TEDx talk, I talk about the dropout rate, which is really high. I mean, it's like 40% of people who start college finish college. It's not a lot. And most people, 70% or more, have to take on debt to go in the first place. So now they dropped out of college and they have debt and they feel like a failure and they feel shame and like all of that could be avoided. Mm -hmm. So I wish that in high schools, they, there was the conversation about, well, you know, what do you really want to do with your life? And, and then helped those young adults who don't maybe have all the information and don't know all their options, make really informed, intentional choices about what to do after high school. Because it might be that they should go to a four-year college because they want to be a dentist and they know that for certain. And that is their best, best path to get there. And they can go straight for that and all of, and so forth. But maybe it is starting their own business or doing a gap year or going to a community college or, or doing something like Wayfinding Academy or going to a trade school and becoming an apprentice carpenter or something like that. So I feel like just having that conversation, having that expectation of that conversation change in those teen years, I think would make a huge difference. And we'd have more people living purpose-driven lives and living in accordance with their values and thus would make our whole community better. Um, yeah. It's a 
beautifully inspiring story. And uh, I was excited to become a luminary and hopefully we'll be getting to mentor or work with some of her students in the future. But I'm very excited about what she's doing and hope that it grows across the country. Um, after that week, we ended up catching Audrey Callahan singing. Uh, Audrey is just an amazing singer and beautiful person. She just exudes just beauty and light. And uh, she's traveling around with her husband and in their RV. And she does session work as well as writing, releasing her new latest songs. Um, she has amazing, beautiful video work uh, that accompany her songs. Uh, but she, she's just, it was really exciting talking to her about that process that she goes through and just what it's like to be creative and on the road and, and following your dreams, going from working in graphic design to realizing what your passions are and figuring out how to, how to make it happen. I was going to school for biotechnology and just all the while I was in school, it just kept tugging at me. Like, why, why am I pursuing this path? If it's not my true calling, let me just take a break. I didn't think I could do music at that point. It took me a long time to realize I could make money doing music. It just seemed like a pie in the sky dream, but I knew I didn't want to go biotech. So I'm like, let me just take a break. And I joined a band and I was loving life, you know, just working and being in my band. And then I started um, creating flyers for my band. And that's when the MySpace era was out. So I was like coding my MySpace profile to like have a marquee and music and all this stuff. And I really fell in love with graphic design and web design type stuff. And it went in line with my music. So so although I still wasn't brave enough to pursue music, I thought, well, the web and graphic can really go hand in hand. So I started to go to school for that. And then that ended up turning into a 10 year business with employees and office space and really took me even more off my path. And, you know, growing a business takes a lot of time. So I was spending a lot of time growing that business and not much on music. So it still took a back seat for quite some time. I realized that wasn't really what I wanted to do either. I craved creating original music, something that was my own a message that I could connect with someone on that could get them through something, these conversations that could be built around similar ideas. And to me, like it is my favorite thing in the whole world to just shout from the rooftops everything I've learned because I've had some key people along my path that have been like, oh, go here, do this, do that. And it's helped me so much. And when I found out about the section singing world, which is how I was able to become a full-time singer, um, I was so excited. I hopped on a YouTube video. I was like, singers, you can work from home and make money doing what you love. And like, I outlined all the ways and made a, a, like a multi-series video course on it. And I remember one singer friend was like, why do you keep telling people about this? You're going to saturate the market. There's not going to be any more work for you and all this stuff. And nothing has changed for me other than I've gotten more work. The more I talk about it, my mom has this phrase where it's like, God's math doesn't add up. The more you give, the more you get. And I've just always kind of lived by that. I can't help but share everything I've done. And Patreon too has been a huge boost to my career. And I've been telling all my singer friends about it and telling them to get on and promoting their pages. And it's just like, why not? It's just, it's energy. And if, if the universe knows that, you know, all of this knowledge and success is going to stop at you and not go anywhere else, I feel like it's less likely to come to you. You've got to open it up and let it flow and give it out. So, so Audrey was, it was really great talking with her. And then we went to Texas and it was all about 
Dottie and all about pups. And we got to meet Kelly and Judy from Connie Rosso Rescue. And uh, it's a pizza, started off as being a pizza company that had funded a nonprofit to help save and rescue hunting dogs in Texas. And now it's taken kind of a life of its own, growing. They have an amazing foster program. Dottie went through it. She's amazing. I'm so super grateful for the love and the care that they give. These are these are dogs that wouldn't be adopted easily from shelters. Um, they usually they would be probably not make it out of the shelter, and so or even make it to a shelter. They do a lot of rescues uh, on the ground. They have an amazing team of volunteers, and so that uh, episode it was just great to see Kelly again. It was great to meet Judy and to share Dottie's story and just get to see. And hear about all these amazing pups. Um, so yeah, in so. 2018, we um, we adopted, were found permanent homes for 183 dogs, which which we thought was amazing. We were blown away. Um, in 2019, we uh, we set a target of 250. Um, our rescue director actually said 300, and we laughed at her and said, you know, let's set a realistic one. If we go over, great, but let's be realistic. Um, we actually found homes for 414 dogs in 2019. Wow. For 2020, we uh, set ourselves, we set ourselves the target again, trying to be realistic uh, of 366. So one, one a day, that was our basic target. Um, we so far this year have adopted 283 dogs, uh, which means if we forecast it out, we're probably going to break 500 this year. Wow, um, that's so amazing. It's amazing. And I'm actually tearing up now. <laughs> yes. Well, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm the steady business one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, in the last year, we, the, if we count 18, 19, and 20, we will have found homes for over a 1,000 dogs. Mm. Um, you know. It's, it's really admirable. Um, and it's funny. There's a local coffee shop here. And I went there the other day for the first time, and they gave me a, a sleeve on my coffee mug. And it says, may you be the type of person your dog thinks you are. And like, I was like, how did they know? Did I look like a crazy dog lady? I wasn't wearing my rescue shirt. What, how did they know? But they probably, it, did. Kind of, probably did. Um, and they actually have a dog parking lot. So I like leave my dogs there and I go up anyway. Um, but it, it, it's true. It, it's absolutely amazing how forgiving these dogs are. Like Cecil's walking around with bullets, got left and just loves people. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're just so forgiving. And, and we've had sadly some very aggressive dogs too, that you can tell. Uh, I just adopted one out. Somebody these people surrendered him with a shot collar and a spray bottle of like a poison spray to get him to, to act right. And so the minute I took it out of the bag, he just cowers and freaks out and you can tell he tensed up. And it's like, there, there's just some really sad things. And yet this dog still allowed me um, to, to handle him and, and tried to trust me the best that he could try to regain that trust. Um, so it, it's, absolutely admirable how quickly dogs try and, and, and overcome what they've done and really just see the good in people. Each, each dog kind of leaves a footprint on your heart to some extent and it's so rewarding. Everybody will say, I can't foster. I just fall in love with every dog. There's no way I can foster. Um, and that would have been me too. And I probably would have ended up with a hundred dogs, but it's finding the homes that just make those dogs life so much better. I mean, not yeah. seeing the world right now. And I was at the time gone 10 hours a day working and, and now she's never, you know, she's living in her own world where you cater to her. So there's so many, you know, I'll never forget these pictures of this like little girl hugging on another foster of mine and 
one time a little girl comes over and she brought this whole backpack. I brought him a stick and I brought him a this and here's this new toy and I made this place in the bed for him. And these are all experiences that these dogs, you know, their wildest dreams are. So it, for me to stand in the way and keep them all or to say I can't open my heart to fostering because it's going to hurt me too much for them to leave. It, it's it's so rewarding to see the, the forever that these dogs get. And sadly, some of them, you know, have only been, we've had quite a few tragic cases this year where, they, you know, a month into being adopted, they are um, diagnosed with cancer and things like that. But gosh, to know that that dog had a month of, of amazing life and, and dogs' memories are somewhat short, which is wonderful. And that, that made their whole life. Um, and, and so that made me want to adopt another dog. So. <laughs> we'll see to be continued. But, um, anyway, uh, that was super fun. Uh, and so finally our last episode was with Colleen Ricci Rosenblum and she is the one of the co-hosts of the podcast hot flashes, cool topics. And oh my gosh, what a fun conversation we had. We got to chat about all things midlife and beyond. Um, it was super fun and, uh, and really relatable to everyone. It wasn't just about hot flashes. Um, we just talked about generally what it's like to be a woman navigating in midlife, how things are, you know, kind of nuts and how we're not alone and, um, and how a sense of humor is super important, how community is super important. Right. And And I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves for that reason, because, well, so-and-so did it and it was easy for them or so-and-so crashed and burned on that. And, you know, for women, I think as we get a little bit older, if you happen to stay at home mom and put all of your time and all of your energy into your children, which is wonderful, but now they're starting to, you know, fly and kind of open their wings. It's, it's a bittersweet time for a lot of women because they can't even remember the dreams that they had. And if they did, maybe they don't want to do that stuff anymore, but they still have half of their life left to live and they're starting a new chapter. So what we say to a lot of the women um, that feel that way is find one little thing that you have to look forward to just for yourself. It can be anything from taking a dance class to learning to sew to changing the world (laughs) or or bungee jumping. It can be as big or as small. It doesn't matter. It's just something for you to look forward to for yourself because it takes that tiny step forward. And also it's okay to mourn the loss of a part of your life and still be happy at the same time. Like the feelings aren't mutually exclusive. You don't have to be just sad or just happy. Mm. You can be both. So It's just, it's such an interesting for us uh, journey to watch so many women email us and say, I'm lost. I just don't know what to do at this point. My whole world was my kids. And, you know, part of me wants to say, don't worry, they come back. So they're just, (laughs) but I have daughters and that's what happens. Um, But also it's a time of discovery for yourself. It's really about retraining your brain, reframing the idea of what your life was like, because as much as you may want to, you're not going to get that back, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. but it can be beautiful and exciting and a new journey looking forward, but you have to look forward. You can't keep looking back. No, and it was just, it was super enjoyable and wonderful to hear some of her wisdom. Um, she has an amazing podcast that is hilarious. Uh, some of the stories we shared. So uh, definitely check out that talk.
Um, so I want to thank you. Thank you for being a listener of Flipping Dreams through the last 10 episodes. Um, it's really exciting. Uh, this is something that kind of came up unexpectedly, has grown, and uh, I am just grateful for everyone who's been on the show. I have made so many new friends and learned so much from each guest. And so, uh, again, I'm really grateful for everyone. I'm just it just gives me hope in humanity. Um, and so we're kicking off episode 12 next week. You don't want to miss it. Uh, the teaser is I am speaking with Elena Thurston, a woman who went through the radical change of being in a very strict Mormon LDS community to realizing that that wasn't who she was and chasing and finding her true identity, which involved a lot. And I don't want to share too much of her story because I'd like you to hear it for yourself. So please look forward to tuning in next week and hearing her amazing story. And one of just positive, she is just a really beautiful, positive woman and super inspiring. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, anyway, Thank you again. Uh, it's, it's really my pleasure to share these stories with you. It's something that I'm very passionate about letting people he tell their stories and, um, and they can, they're the only ones who can do it because it's theirs. So I, again, thank you for giving me this platform to do this work. And, uh, I look forward to continuing to provide you with interesting content that's uplifting, inspiring, and reminding you that it's never too late to flip your dreams. Take care. We'll see you next week.